Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hi everyone, this is Ugo and this is the Traveling Image Makers podcast. And uh, a few episodes ago I had the pleasure of being the guest on my own podcast where my usual co-host Ralph was interviewing me about my recent trip to Southeast Asia. And this time we are uh, exchanging roles, we're swapping roles and I'm here interviewing Ralph about his recent trip to... um, pair of uh, not very well-known countries. Um, I'm sure many many people have heard about them, but I don't know of many people who actually have been to them. We're talking about uh, two small countries in the between Europe and Asia, Armenia and Georgia. So, hi, Ralph. Hey there, Hugo. Good to be here today. I'm excited about this topic. Good to be here too. So, and you're also about to leave again for Costa Rica. You were saying before you're never stopping. Yeah, no, I never do stop. Uh, but yeah, tomorrow I'm heading back to Costa Rica for about five days for a quick scouting trip, and I'm looking forward to getting back there. It'll be interesting to be back there. Uh, this is October. See what uh, things are like down there. I was just there this past summer and. July, so I'm sure the the weather's going to be somewhat different, but I'm looking forward to it. Is scouting trip the code name for mojitos and piña coladas? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah, as you know, they can be a lot of work, and uh, we'll talk about that uh, today because this recent trip to Armenia and Georgia was actually a, a scouting trip. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, you you're planning to do um, a photo tour there in the future? Was that your first time in those countries, by the way? Yeah, it was the first time in each country, and uh, I was invited about um, about a year and a half ago by a woman that I met who uh, has a tour company in Armenia, and she met me at one of the travel shows, saw me speaking, and uh, knew that I did trips around the world and saw that I wasn't doing Armenia and invited me to come over, and uh, was in a country that was real high on my radar, but I was certainly open to the idea and did some research and we worked it out for me to come over and do this trip. And I also tacked on Georgia, the Republic of Georgia, which is right next door. So I flew into Tbilisi and uh, ended up flying out of Tbilisi, but I was going to fly out of Yerevan, the capital of Armenia, but it got switched around a little bit. Okay, so... But where exactly are those countries? Because uh, I guess uh, they're, they're pretty small. Not many people know about them. Actually, those countries didn't actually exist until the, I think, the, they were part of the Soviet Union, right? They were, yeah. Uh, after and, the uh, collapse of the Soviet Union, they gained independence. That's right. And uh, so uh, Georgia is just east of Turkey and is uh, also... Both countries actually are so georgia's north of of uh, armenia and in that region azerbaijan also uh, is a border country as is iran and uh, as i mentioned turkey so it's uh, right in that region the caucasus mm-hmm. 
And so uh, it's it's an interesting region because it feels very European, but it is definitely on the Asian continent. So uh, I found that really interesting. I was didn't know what to expect, but uh, that that was that was really neat. Uh, so there's uh, the 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 tourist infrastructure is very good. The the culture, the food, everything, just fantastic. I I believe Armenia uh, is still. I mean, the Armenian people are mostly Christian, right? Mm-hmm. They are surrounded by other Muslim countries. You mentioned Turkey and Iraq. And of course, uh, Iran actually. Also, Iran. Yeah, Iran. And mm-hmm. I mean that that caused a lot of strife. And then with the dissolution of the Soviet Union, there's been probably some even wars. I remember uh, wars between Russia and Georgia in recent years and so on. So, is that a hot region or is it safe? Uh, it's very safe, although there are a couple regions of Georgia that uh, are 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 points of contention with Russia, and so Russia is trying to take back two different regions and fairly good size portions of the Republic of Georgia. Uh, this was a big point of contention about. Uh, 10 years ago and still is an issue for sure today but it's uh, it's not any part of the country that we are going to or near and um, you don't feel that as something that's happening throughout the country or you know there's you, you wouldn't even know it uh, I wouldn't have even known it had the local guide not told me about this situation no of course I mean we, we don't hear about those uh countries much in the in the news and given that most of the things that you hear on the news are bad things <laughs> that's probably good to know that you, you don't hear about those places because nothing bad is happening there so it's mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. to know um, yeah uh, so you, you mentioned the the food you mentioned the, the culture the tourist infrastructure but what, what are the let's let's start with pick the one you you prefer to to start with let's say either armenia or georgia because i'm i'm sure there will be similarities but there will also be differences right so pick the one yeah. you like and tell us uh what what's so great about that country what why would people want to go there and visit and photograph yeah so i'll just pick georgia because it's the first place i flew into i'd actually just finished up a group trip to romania and i flew from uh, bucharest to istanbul and directly to Tbilisi, which is the capital of Georgia. Uh, Tbilisi is a wonderful capital city, just gorgeous, uh, has a lot of history, uh, uh, founded uh, around the fifth century. So a lot of of history there, uh, very interesting architecture, um, many different cultures that blend together in this one capital city. And uh, felt very European to me, as I, as I mentioned. I uh, got outside of the capital a bit. And uh, this region is definitely known for its monasteries. And uh, so that's one of the main things that they want to show you when you're there. And there, there has to be hundreds of them. Uh, I probably saw dozens. Uh, but part of our job as tour 
tour leaders and the tour organizers is to, you know, figure out which ones are going to be best for our groups. And, uh, you know, we obviously can't do dozens. So, you know, which three or four are going to fit in with this, with this trip and itinerary. But, uh, we did a couple day trips, uh, Tbilisi, uh, Georgia itself. I was supposed to only go to Armenia. And so, this, this whole Georgia trip was actually just an add-on because I, I knew that um, the people that were going to want to come with me on this trip were going to want to go to Georgia because it's kind of in the news now. There seems to be a lot of uh, uh, just travel news about it. It seems to be sort of a hot destination to go to. It's on a lot of travel shows. Uh, so people are hearing about it, and it's gorgeous. Uh, so it makes sense. So uh, I added the Tbilisi portion. I just stayed in Tbilisi, the capital, and then did some day trips outside. And uh, so I, I really fell in love with it. Uh, the, the language is uh, it's very different than Armenian. Uh, both languages, both countries have their own alphabets. So it's interesting how in this region of the world, uh, there are many different uh, languages, obviously, but also uh, each one has its own alphabet as well. And so uh, just because the countries are next to each other doesn't mean that they understand each other entirely or read each other's languages. Most signs are in uh, Russian, English, and either Georgian or Armenian. Um, so the so, Russian influence is, is very powerful. It's still there, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of Russian travelers there, a lot of Russian expats, people that are Russian that live in these countries. Uh, but it's it's very accepted, and uh, there's no uh, tension that I felt mm -hmm. at whatsoever. Mm -hmm. How do you go about uh, with English? I mean, how do you get around with English? Is it easy? Do, do people understand English? Do they speak it? Uh, especially, though, I mean... Those, I guess those in the tourism industry are more uh, English-speaking than others, but uh, how's the situation in general? Yeah, uh, good question. So the uh, obviously the, the younger generation is learning more English, and so they're much more likely, as in almost every country, the younger generation is more likely to speak English English or better English uh, as you get out into the countryside and you meet older folks very unlikely that they do speak uh, little if any English uh, so that's why I almost always work with local guides uh, and uh, they can help me with the translation the, the culture the customs uh, answer my questions and so um, I worked with some fantastic local guides just wonderful uh, people that we couldn't be more passionate about their countries and and wanting to show me the best of what they have and and you know not not just the best but also some of the the underbelly as well which is the you know things that the, the reality of it and that's those are things that uh and i think are important to see as well so um the the language was not an issue but i think if you're on your own and you're in more remote parts of the country uh, there will definitely be a language barrier. Yeah, I see. Um, so you said the monasteries uh, in Georgia are great. Uh, are these monasteries active or there's ruins abandoned? Uh, what's the? How does it work? Yeah, there's uh, quite a few abandoned ones. So we mostly went to ones that are active. 
Uh, but it was uh, interesting to go to the, the the abandoned ones or the ones that were inactive. Uh, the these these monasteries, both in Armenia and Georgia, are sort of the highlights for many people, especially if people are on some sort of a religious trip. But um, so I found quite a few crowds at at the many monasteries that we went to because we went to some of the more popular ones that were right on the tourist track the ones that you know had the most beautiful views or the most uh, uh, well-kept interiors and and you know there was reasons to go there uh, if I always whenever on any of my trips if I have the opportunity I try to get to a place early as possible in the day to beat the tourist crowds, maybe the heat of the day, get the best light. So a lot of reasons to do that. Um, so I would say about half of them, uh, you know, you can't be everywhere first thing in the morning. So uh, maybe half of them we got to at times of day where there were more crowds and uh, the other half we were there and pretty much had the place to ourselves and it was just glorious. Uh, but some of the, the more interesting ones that I enjoyed more were the ones that were really off the beaten path that maybe were inactive and that there were few, if any, tourists whatsoever. Well, how do you get there? I mean, if those monasteries, I mean, and also seen, I've seen photos of those and those countries are mountainous. So uh, can you stay nearby and get up early in the morning and go there? Or do you have to... Uh, travel a lot on the road to get there and what's the situation of the roads yeah the, the armenia is a fairly good sized country georgia a little bit smaller and um but uh the the distances between locations are fairly short maybe two to three hours uh so getting um you know be, being on a reasonable uh uh, track is 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 not difficult to do. Um, the roads are in various varying conditions. There's very good, well kept super highways, and then there's other parts of the country that it's just a two lane road. Uh, maybe it's very mountainous and lots of switchbacks, and the roads can be somewhat pitted and with potholes. And uh, a lot of times that has to do with the fact that. Uh, especially in Armenia, which is a landlocked country, uh, there is a lot of traffic coming from Iran to Georgia through Armenia. And so these trucks uh, really wreak havoc on the road. And so there's a huge project for a, a very, very uh, high-end superhighway to go from Iran to the port in Georgia, which they're trying to get to, and uh, through Armenia, uh, but that's still probably uh, a few years away, and no one actually knows when mm -hmm. when that will be completed. But uh, that will certainly be welcome. I thought it was really interesting to see a lot of trucks on the road with Iranian license plates, um, uh, old trucks, uh, Russian, you, you name it. Uh, really great vehicles there just to see but uh, some of the driving can be slow going because of these very big trucks on these mountainous roads and uh, so there's a lot of passing and things like that very safe but um, 
I do everything I can on my trips to try to minimize the amount of driving. So anything I can do to make the route more efficient for us so that we spend more time uh, enjoying the places than trying to get between them. Um, so that's what I've absolutely tried to do on this trip. And we're still working on the final itinerary uh, as we speak, but hope to have that in the next week or two. So Georgia is a... Uh... Um, side of the country is on the Black Sea, right? So That's there's right. the support there, and I think the Iranian traffic uh, needs wants to to reach the Mediterranean, and then those routes needs to go by via Georgia and Armenia. That's, uh, yeah, that actually, it's sense. the Black Sea. That would be the Black, Black sea, sea there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did mm -hmm. I see the Black Sea? Did I say the Black Sea? You said Mediterranean. Sea? Yeah, although... the Black Sea and then the Mediterranean. Okay, yeah, oh, from the there to the Mediterranean, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Uh, mm -hmm. And you also mentioned the food. So what's, uh, what are the best recipes? <laughs> what yeah, kind of food yeah. Is it? Yeah, I cannot mention Armenia and Georgia without talking about the food. And uh, the, the, the most... Uh, I think the thing that that, that sur surprised me—I don't know if it surprised me—but uh, just yeah, I don't think about it. I'm 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 from the U.S., where unfortunately so much of of our food is processed, and you know, there's it's not organic, and so to go to uh, countries like Georgia and Armenia, where almost a hundred percent of the the food is natural, organic grown locally uh, we went to a lot of different uh, and, and this is something I request of my tour operator there is I want to try to eat in people's homes as much as possible uh, places uh, and, and I think this is something growing in that region is people bringing in small groups to their homes having some sort of a patio or a, a, a decent sized living room where they can fit eight or ten people uh, we were just two or three on the, the scouting trip but uh, these are places that I was scouting to uh, see if we could bring groups back to well the the majority if not all of the food that they served was grown locally on their property, their home, or they found it from a neighbor nearby or something, you know, locally. Uh, the, the lots of vegetables, um, just incredible meats, uh, especially pork. Um, the the food though, we would be three people and they would give us food for ten. And it's just like every single meal, they gave us three to four times the amount of food that we could possibly eat. And, uh, you know, I, I'm always concerned, you know, is it going to waste or what? And uh, I was assured that it would, certainly wasn't going to waste, that uh, uh, either the family would eat it or they'd feed animals, but uh, uh, that, that that food was not going to waste. Uh, but it was just beautifully displayed, uh, tasty you know, the, the, the tomatoes actually tasted like tomatoes, which, uh, yeah, you know, other a, than when I travel, I don't taste that a lot. Kind of <laughs> uncommon for tomatoes nowadays to taste like tomatoes. <laughs> Especially when you're in the U.S. Uh, and they typically come from Chile, you know, halfway around the world, which is often the case. And uh, they look beautiful, but uh, they don't yeah, taste like tomatoes. The uh, situation is you in Europe is kind of similar you know that the, yeah. the biggest uh, producer of tomatoes in europe is the netherlands and mm. you never imagine i mean there's not a lot of sun there you, you you think of tomatoes as those mediterranean fruits that need a lot of sun to grow 
Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they, they grow in greenhouses in the Netherlands. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> so, yeah. so even in Italy, you have trouble getting yes. uh, decent tomatoes, yeah, yeah. huh? Wow. Okay. But best place in Europe that I generally find for, for tomatoes is Greece. Mm. It's still savory there. <laughs> mm. Wonderful. <laughs> so, flavor. Anyway, um, if I could uh, just continue briefly with the uh, the food, um, one thing that I love to do is see how people make the local bread. And bread is one of those staple food items that I, I don't know any culture that doesn't have their version of bread. And so to see how they make it in Armenia and Georgia was really interesting because they use uh, an oven called a tonir, T-O-N-I-R. And it's very similar and related to the tan, I believe it's tandoor in India, right? Um, And so it's it's an oven where in some places it's actually built into the ground so the top of it's at ground level Uh, typically the woman will sit cross-legged next to it and they're rolling out the dough and then they sort of slap it up against the side Uh, there's coals in the bottom they slap it up against the wall of this underground circular oven and it sticks there bakes for I don't know how long, two, three minutes, and then they pull it off and it's ready to eat. And it's absolutely fabulous. And uh, the the two countries had uh, several different versions of uh, a similar bread, but it was uh, just uh, um, lavash is the name of the bread, the very thin, uh, large bread that you get in Armenia. Mm -hmm. And it is outstanding. But I love to see uh, people doing that, making the, you know, making bread. I think it's just, uh, you know, I've done it all over the world and it's, it's one of those things. I always tell my people to have a theme in mind when it comes to, uh, photography. And this is something that's sort of developed over the course of my travel career is, uh, going to these wonderful food cultures and seeing how they make the local bread, whether it's in Morocco or Turkey, uh, Romania, Armenia, Georgia, wherever. And, uh, you know, it's pretty much those, what, three basic ingredients, flour, water, and salt. Uh, But the amount of variety that uh, people make around the world and to be able to watch and photograph and videotape them doing it, uh, to me, I just love. And so this is uh, just sort of a, an ongoing theme for me to, is to, to capture that and to record that. Yeah, we, we sometimes like to to go and consume the food and photograph the food, but photographing the the process of food making, I think it's it's a great part of what it means to be, uh, what makes travel photography and, and also videography as well. And, and of course, it, it, I assume it's not a problem to... To photograph those kind of situations, to, to photograph the people there, are they open to be photographed on the street, or there some, uh, are they more close? Yeah, the, you know the bigger cities like Tbilisi and Yerevan, and we'll talk about Yerevan in a bit. Uh, the the people are uh, somewhat less open to being photographed. Uh, probably just about like any in any big city. Uh, as you get to the more remote regions, the people are more open to being photographed. 
Uh, although I found all over the world, and it's it's interesting, is that uh, a lot of the the women are not open to being photographed, and oftentimes we think that maybe it's a religious thing or uh, you know some other sort of cultural thing, but oftentimes it's just that they they don't feel like they've got enough makeup on or mm -hmm. that they're presentable and that uh, you're going to put these pictures up on Facebook and they're not going to look good. And so I, I think that's kind of interesting and, uh, you know, a, a little bit funny in a way, but, you know, it makes sense that we're all, we all have this common, you know, need to, to look good, I guess, when it comes to photographs. And so people are always thinking about that. Yeah. I didn't think of that actually. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> I hear that a lot, you know. Uh, you know, because I'll I'll talk through my 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 local guide and I'll say, would it be okay if I photograph this this person? And uh, the you know the guide will ask them, and and uh, so many times it's like, you know, no, I don't want it. To, you know, my hair's not done or my makeup, and and uh, it's it's really really funny. So you said we are going to talk about Yerevan, the capital of Armenia, and maybe also Tbilisi. You didn't say much about it. How are those cities? I mean, ex-Soviet Union, one can think that those, all those ugly buildings <laughs> and so on, but I guess they also have a, a lot of history, so great monuments. Yeah, just in, in keeping with Tbilisi for now, uh, I was there for a few days, and we immediately went out of the city to do a few things outside of the city itself, and I was not staying in the historical center, and so I didn't get much of a feel for the city until maybe two or three days that I was there, and then I got taken down to the riverfront and this uh, very, uh, very old section that was a from from about the you know the 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 five hundreds and and a little bit later, but T uh, Tbilisi is an incredibly old city, like I said, from the fifth century. But also, it's got incredibly modern architecture as well, and they've done a really nice job of uh, combining these these two uh, you know very different types of architecture extremely modern bridges and things like that and then this very old world uh old center so um lots of restaurants lots of different uh religious uh, uh complex between mosques and churches and uh synagogues and uh, everyone just sort of living together uh, there's a wonderful cable car that goes from the riverside up to uh a beautiful viewpoint uh, there's parts of it that are in a gorge so you can get up above the city and get some really great views of it uh, I'll, I'll give you some pictures of those and uh, so Tbilisi wonderful place now Yerevan lots of history there as well but a very modern city um, it's but in a good way um, I, I was really surprised how modern it is, how wide the boulevards and avenues are. Uh, there's some old architecture there, but uh, I didn't get a feel for a, a, like an old center like I did in Tbilisi. Uh, there's a place called the Cascade, which uh, is about five or six hundred steps up, and you get beautiful views over the town of Yerevan, 
but also if the weather is right and the, the sky is clear, you can see Mount Ararat in the distance. And Ararat is actually in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And so that's how close they are to the Turkish border. Uh, Ararat is the place where, according to legend and the Bible, is where Noah's Ark landed. And so uh, everything there seems to be based around whether or not you could see Ararat that Mm -hmm. day. The weather, you know, everyone's talking about whether or not you could see it. Now, when I was there, which was late September, uh, I apparently I had very good luck because I saw it almost every day. Uh, in varying conditions, without clouds, with clouds, uh, et cetera. And uh, so I had a lot of different chances to see it, but they tell me that if you're there for a week and you see it once, you're lucky. Uh, I pretty much saw it every day that I was there. So uh, that's, you know, it has to do with the time of year, but there's often uh, smog and uh, smoke from, burning fields and things like that, cloud cover. But uh, that's why we're planning the trip in late September, early October next year. How's the climate then? I mean, is it warm or cold? I mean, we're close to the mountains, but not on top of them, I guess. So well, people the, should the be was... prepared for what? Yeah, well, I'm always about you know having layers, but... Uh, I the weather was fantastic. So in Fahrenheit, it was probably 60 to maybe 80, but probably more like 75. So really pleasant uh, sort of uh, fall-like temperatures. Um, you know, maybe wear a light jacket. Uh, we did go to one uh, region out uh, that uh, uh, for this trip I'm not going to include on the trip, but it's called Goris. And it's more towards the eastern part of the country. And that was uh, further up into the mountains. Uh, there was a lot of fog up there, low-lying clouds. Uh, it got much cooler, probably 45 to 70 degrees. And uh, it's a little bit more out of the way, so we're not going to do that on this trip. However, uh, the, the, the temperatures there got a lot cooler. Is it easy to move between those countries? And you also mentioned Turkey or so crossing borders. Do you need visas, uh, especially coming from the U.S.? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. So uh, I was being driven from Tbilisi to the border of Armenia to then start the Armenian part of my trip. Well, my driver took me to the border, walked me into the the building where you go through immigration to go to the next country and she said um you know she couldn't go further with me as i'm in line and she said i'll I'll wait outside for five or ten minutes let me you know just in case anything happens so i get up to the to the kiosk where the the man is that's checking passports give him my passport and he says uh, do you do you have a, a visa for Azerbaijan? And I said, uh, no, I'm I'm going to Armenia. He said, this is the Ar- Azerbaijan border. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there was not a 
any indication whatsoever as we were pulling up that it was the Azerbaijan border, no flags, no signs, no nothing. And even the local person that was taking me didn't know that this was the wrong the wrong place. And it's not like you go to either Azerbaijan or Armenia from this border. There's one one place. So thank goodness Azerbaijan requires a visa because had they let me in I would have been really up a creek trying to get back out and then, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out where I was. Uh, so it turns out that we had to go about 45 minutes to an hour in a different direction to get to the Armenian border. So other than that, it's very easy to get across borders. Uh, there's no visa required for uh, U.S. citizens. I don't. I think for most countries, uh, there's probably not a visa required to go to either Georgia or Armenia. But uh, yeah, getting across the border was no problem. And then just driving, you know, down from what there is the southern border of Georgia and the northern part of Armenia, then driving into the country. Uh, the northern part of the country, uh, fairly industrial, a lot of factories. Um, it's actually very green. Uh, much of the country at this time of year was brown just because of uh, in spring it's very green, but in the fall it's very brown, the fields. Uh, I still thought it was stunningly beautiful, uh, especially Armenia. There were parts of Armenia that I would compare to the U.S. Southwest. Uh, mm. Just incredible canyons and mountains and snow-capped mountains and uh, you know great roads uh driving you know uh uh, serpentine roads uh just gorgeous and uh i i had no expectation of that whatsoever but i was extremely pleasantly surprised so there's something even for uh, lovers of pure landscapes like me. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. It was gorgeous. Yes. That's that's what I look for in a country is a good variety. So you've got a, a nice capital cities, you've got interesting smaller villages, and then you've got very rural landscapes. Uh, so both of these countries uh, absolutely deliver on that level. Yeah, they've, they've been kind of, uh, not really on my radar, but somehow something that I've been... Uh, uh, Considering from time to time, I mean, from from Europe, it's even easier to go there. So definitely need to to look at your pictures and (laughs) show them to my wife and tell maybe next trip we do together, we go to Armenia and Georgia. Yeah, I think you would absolutely love it. So much to do. Great food, wonderful people. Yeah, there's a lot of variety there. And like you say, very accessible, especially for uh, Europeans. Uh, It's not far at all. I think it was uh, to get from Bucharest to Tbilisi was maybe six hours, including a layover in Istanbul. Uh, There's not a lot of direct flights. Uh, Flights to Yerevan and Tbilisi uh, can be uh, somewhat... uh, difficult because oftentimes the flights arrive or leave very early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, my flight to Lisbon left Tbilisi at 5.25 in the morning, meaning that I had to be at the airport about 3.30 a.m. And so oftentimes the flights are at a little bit strange times, but uh, but th- that's just how it is over there. Yeah, probably for me the easiest would be to fly via Istanbul. 
That's yeah, and that yeah, and that flight from Bucharest to Istanbul to Tbilisi was uh, great. I mean, it just flew during the day and uh, reasonable times. The airport was absolutely empty when I arrived at about four o'clock in the afternoon. So our flight was pretty much the only flight that came in at that time. My bag was the first bag to come off the plane, which is unusual. But uh, did you fly with uh, Turkish Airlines? That was uh, with Turkish mm -hmm. Airlines, yes. Okay, I'll, I'll check. Now, I'll check their timetables and see. If we yeah, can yeah. And now that they've got there. this new airport in Istanbul, which I, um, I've never been a fan of uh, IST, the the main airport mm -hmm. in Istanbul, but they're opening this new one. Uh, I just hate when you have to take a a bus from the airplane to the terminal and then the terminal back to the the airplane uh it's always seems to be a bus it's rarely that you pull up to a a jetway and walk right into the terminal so you've always got that added time so you mm. have to keep that in mind especially if it's later. raining <laughs> <laughs> especially yeah. mm. uh, good what, what else i mean um, any other highlights of your trips let's see um You know, going to these uh, these many monasteries, and I probably went to, uh, I would want to say, 15 or 16 different monasteries. We'll probably do four or five on the trip, I'm guessing. Uh, but they're usually very quick stops, you know, so they don't, you don't have to spend three, four hours. Uh, but they're they're interesting. They're, they're you know, definitely something to see. You can get some really beautiful shots. They're almost always in uh, really gorgeous settings uh you know these people that put these built these monasteries always knew how to put them in really wonderful settings um oh you know what else is interesting is uh, uh oh boy what's I, i forget the the name the armenian name for them but the uh these cross stones and they are these hand carved they almost look like uh, headstones for uh, graves, but they have different uses. Sometimes they're used in cemeteries. Other times they're used to commemorate something. But uh, we went to a, a, a town called uh, Noradus, I believe it's pronounced, and it's very near to Lake Sevan, which is the largest lake in Armenia. And there's this one cemetery that has hundreds and hundreds of these cross stones and it's a beautiful beautiful place to to photograph but i also had an opportunity to to meet a man uh, named bogdan who carves these he uh this is something that's been around for centuries but he has kept this this art alive in a town uh, called vanadzor and got to meet him and he had the most incredible personality he was such a an, an amazing artist and uh he taught you know showed us the whole process and it was just really interesting to, to see these people uh keeping these these art forms alive and to to see him at work uh, i recently just put some photos up on my facebook page Uh, showing the process, but uh, some of these cross stones uh, can take months, if not a year or more, to, to make. 
and they're absolutely gorgeous, and no two of them are the same. It makes me think of those uh, Irish crosses, stone crosses that you can find in Ireland that are beautifully carved, but of course I have no idea how the Armenian ones look like, so maybe I'm just off. Yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll give you a couple shots of that to put up in the, uh, in the post, but uh, really great stuff. And then to meet this man who... Uh, just had the most bubbly personality he the greatest attitude he was so inspiring uh for someone who just loves life and so it's it's fun to meet people like that once in a while good okay so you really piqued my curiosity now i'm going to start planning maybe a, (laughs) a little trip there um so aside from this, you said you're you're going to, to Costa Rica for a scouting trip, and then uh, what about any other trips coming up, or is the season yeah. more or less winding down? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're we're now in mid October, and so I'll be in uh, Costa Rica for just five days for a quick scouting trip, and then back to Chicago for maybe a week and a half, two weeks, and then I start into my end of year. Uh, travel, which uh, I've got a group trip to India. From there, I go to a group trip to Vietnam. And then I hope to stay in that region for a week or two through the end of the year to uh, maybe kind of hit the beach and get a little vacation time. Yeah. Remember, which, we, we uh, talked about that in a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to uh, to doing that. And then uh, start into the new year, I've got the speaking season for the travel shows here in the U.S., and then uh, a Cuba trip in early early February. So people can always go to my website at photoenrichment.com, get more information on those. And if anyone wants to join my mailing list, when they go to the website, uh, you get a free download of my newest ebook. Great, and it's always summer somewhere, so you can count on good weather in some part of the world at any time of the year. That's okay. right. That's why I do it. Try to follow the sun. Follow the sun. Great. So you already said your your website. Has, mm-hmm. For those few people who still don't know, photoenrichment.com. Uh, yeah, your social media, Ralph Velasco, Photo Enrichment, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. everything else. That's for yes. me. Uh, my usual website is at ucphoto.me. Uh, maybe I'll just mention the fact that i um, still got a, a couple of spots left on my Venice Carnival workshop, which will be at the end of February. So just a couple of spots opened up. And if people want to sign up, uh, we uh, would love to have you with us and shoot the carnival in Venice next year. Uh, aside from all the rest that you can find at my website and my social media just get the links from my website it's easier because i don't have a single handle for all of my profiles most of all i'm concentrating on instagram these days Uh, just returned from scotland i've posted uh, at least a couple of pictures from scotland on on instagram so people want to see uh, the Scottish Highlands, go to my Instagram. The uh, handle is Ugo Chai, U-G-O-C-E-I. And as for this podcast, uh, as always, at ttim.photo, 
you can find all these uh, the previous episodes including this one and uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes subscribe and join our Facebook group you can find it at ttim.photo slash Facebook so Ralph anything else uh, you want to add before we wrap I don't think up? so I don't think so uh, but uh Let's get out and shoot. Let's get out and shoot, and uh, let's maybe meet someday in Armenia or Georgia. Have a nice day. Sounds great. Bye-bye. Take take care. Bye now. Bye-bye.